fans to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul. And I'm Corey. And for this episode, we will be discussing the topic of voice acting, how it differs from regular acting, and what kind of techniques does a voice actor use in order to bring an animated character to life. Joining us for this chat is the voice behind several well-known and beloved anime characters, such as Hiei from Yu Hakusho, Emperor Pilaf from Dragon Ball, Android 17 from Dragon Ball Z, Dr. Stein from Soul Eater, Shao Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist, and many, many others, as well as Dr. McCoy in the live-action web series Star Trek Continues, the one and only Chuck Schuber. Chuck, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? What's going on? How are you? We're doing great, thank you. How how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. Life is good, you know. Just I've got clothes on, which is rare for me, so that's awesome. I mean, I could, is, is that a good point or a bad point? I mean, is it, if, if it's a rare thing, is it, is it a good thing that you have them on? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, here's the deal. I mean, I work from home and my wife doesn't, so I have the house all to myself. So it's pretty much underwear time all day because nobody's here to look at me and I just want to be comfy. Why not? You, uh, you don't know. I could be in my underwear right now. It's the, it's the thing. That's, that's part of the beauty of just, you know, being able to put your voice out there without your body being on screen. That is the best thing about voice acting is the wardrobe. You don't have to dress like, you know, there's no there's, you, you haircut, shave, no shave. It doesn't matter. You just, uh, it's all about the voice. A man has to be king of his king of his castle. So if he chooses not to wear clothes, that's his right. That's true. That's totally true. So we figured we'd kick this off with asking, um, how did you get involved in voice acting in the first place? How did I get involved? I, I was an actor in Chicago. I went to DePaul University, the Goodman School of Drama there, and uh, learned all about how to act and started my career at the theaters in Chicago, Steppenwolf, Goodman, Court. <clears throat> Had a really fun career there for many years and then moved to Texas and started a theater company. And one day during rehearsals for this improv show that we were doing, my buddy Brad Jackson came in. And he was like, hey, man, you should, you should go audition for this Dragon Balls thing. And I was like, Dragon Balls? That sounds like porn. And he was like, no, it's Japanese anime. And I was like, okay, so it's definitely porn. And he was like, no, it's uh, call this guy. His name's Chris Abbott. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I called and, you know, this guy, he like. I totally answered, and he was cool. And he was like, yeah, man, come on in. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, just, like, uh, come audition. Sounds like, you'd be, yeah, yeah, sure. And I went and auditioned, and he, he was like, oh, man. The first, first thing I auditioned for was Garlic Jr. And uh, he's like, you think you can do this little, like, alien dude? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that alien dude. And I jumped in the booth, and I was like, I'm going to pursue it for the dead zone. He's like, oh, God, man, that was perfect. That was great, man. Uh, do you, that was, that was awesome. Uh, are you free, like, right now? Like, could we just go ahead and record it? And I was like, never in my life have I ever done an audition and then immediately done the job. So I was certain that it was some form of scam. Like, I was like, this isn't, this can't be a real thing. Uh, and I, I did it. It was fun. We had a lot of fun. It was uh, John Bergmeier, uh, rocking the engineering chair back in the early days and uh Sabbath rocking the director chair the early days of Funimation and, and and we had a good time I recorded for like an hour hour and a half knocked out some garlic junior and he was like that was great man yeah uh, 
okay, we'll have you back. There'll be more. And I was like, okay. And like, right as I was leaving, he's like, oh, we need your address for the check. Uh, he like ripped a piece of notebook paper out of a notebook. and was like, write your address down on this. And I was like, okay, uh, this seems like this isn't real. But then I got paid like, like three weeks later, I got a check. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, it's totally real, I guess. I guess this is a way to make money as an actor. Uh, so, and then I've been doing it for doing it for 20 years, 20, 21 years, 22 years, I don't know, 23 years, 22 years. I can't remember, it's been so long. It's a lifetime ago. I was but a child back then. I'm a grown adult now. Very cool. That's kind of how I exactly how i figured it would it would have happened just the way i see funimation that's that's awesome that it was so casual yeah yeah back in the day it was like uh they had sort of a crappy table that had a blanket over it you know one of those like reversible blankets with like a white tiger on one side and like a black tiger on the other and uh, uh you know for sound you know attenuation and the they had a music stand with a T-shirt paperclip to it or a clothespin to it, you know? So it's like, they were like, yeah, man, that music stand's like making too much noise. Here, let's put my shirt on it. And then they just like stuck Sabbath's shirt on the music stand. And then the table was making too much noise and Bergmar was like, oh, I will bring my blanket from home and we will be much more attenuated with our John Bergmar. That's, that neither of them sound like that. If they ever hear this interview, they're going to be like, Chuck, why did you make us sound like we were a dope and a robot is what I just made him sound like. That was not my intention, John and Chris. I love you both. Shut up, man. Yeah, I think your insults are not very nice. You got to do your best uh, Kuabara impression if you're going to if you're going to do Savit or Vegeta. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, you're messy. That's, that's what I was like. I was like, you, dick. you say dope. <laughs> I hear meathead. Dope or meathead? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go with meathead. Meathead is. I'm gonna start calling people meathead from now on. That's gonna be my new insult. To the, God, look at this meathead. He didn't even use his signal. I think I'm gonna. Uh, yes, uh, I can't believe these meatheads on the news. Oh great, another meathead wants to start a war in the Middle East. That's good. That's gonna be a good, uh, good insult. What would be a like a branched off insult like a meat? A meat finger, meat hand, meat hand. I don't know. There's there's like a whole bunch of stuff we could do. It's definitely got potential. Right. Potential. I'll have, I'll have to ask I, my preschoolers at school tomorrow. There you go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't ask your preschoolers. <laughs> Actually, they would go, poopy meat head, meat poopy head, <laughs> butt meat head, meat butt head. Yeah. They, they would come up with a lot of good ones. Pro I feel probably certain. meat toilet. That would probably be the, the big one. Meat I've, head supreme. Meathead Supreme Meat. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about middle schoolers there. I, you know. For sure, for sure, Super they'll come up with head. something. <laughs> so, what are some of the differences regarding the techniques and styles between voice acting and acting as a person? That's uh, that's well, you know, you kind of put your finger on a bit of it. Voice acting is. One of the things, because I teach classes online, one of the things I talk about in the classes is that when you memorize a piece of text and you perform it, 
your brain lights up in a different way. It lights up in a more organic way that's reflective of how a human being behaves. So you've memorized, internalized the text. You sort of understand what your character's objectives are and the obstacles, and you you know pick sort of cool intentions to try to get yourself there. You've sort of fle- fleshed out the space around you and the the time and the way. You know you you get into the imagination of it like you were able to so easily up to the age of like six, seven or eight when your theta brainwave state sort of stops and you start being more like an adult and less impressionable and believing in, in, you know, fairies come and take my human teeth and give me fiat currency. I mean, like you, you, uh, you, you know, you, you, as you get older, you, you aren't able to do that anymore. But when you memorize text, you are able to, imitate or or behave in a way that's more akin to to actual behavior when you read which is what you primarily what you do primarily in anime voice acting you are you are lighting up your brain in a way that that mostly indicates reading so the really good voice actors are the ones typically who are able to memorize the just very quickly memorize the one or two lines or two or three lines they're doing and quickly internalize them and quickly turn them into actual behavior. Uh, a, a lot of people think voice acting is easy because they think all I have to do is read the lines. And that's true. It is p- possibly the easiest form of acting. It is similar in, in difficulty to being a costume character at Disney. Like you can't, you can't phone in Peter Pan. Little kids are counting on you. So you have to be Peter Pan. 100% of the time you're in view of, of guests at, at Walt Disney World. But it's not Academy Award, or I guess it could be Academy Award level acting, but it's, it's repetition, it's, it's grueling, it's, you know, the, the craft you have to have to be a voice actor is similar. You have to be able to repeat. You have to be able to sort of focus. You don't have any real suspension of disbelief because you're you're constantly stopping and starting there's no real connection with another human so it's 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 definitely a craft it is largely a craft like i said akin to being like a a a disney a character at at a disney theme park because it's not the the acting they love they don't love your version of peter pan you didn't bring it that day so everybody loves peter pan more now because you acted like peter pan really good people love peter pan and then you're lucky enough to get to put on the peter pan suit and have people love you in that suit and when we're we're anime voice actors we're in the suit of those two-dimensional characters that were beautifully drawn and realized and created over in japan so we have an obligation to honor that that covering, to honor ourselves, the 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 artwork with you know the most of ourselves that we can give, uh, but never to mistake that somehow our acting ability or something we bring to the table of the great anime voice acting you know uh, world is is somehow anything greater than than being. Uh, 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 freaking uh, goofy at Disney World. You, you, and it's weird because there's such accolades and and awards and like acting awards in anime, and and but honestly, what what 
fans love is the story and the character. And then we get to be lucky enough to do our best job we can. And like I said, you can't phone it in if you're Peter Pan. You can't like, hey, get, get away from me. I don't really feel like being Peter Pan right now. You have to be present the whole cast. But it is, it is not... You know, the other place you hear in, in similar reads to what you hear in anime acting sometimes, and this isn't all the time, there's, there's of course exceptions, but the uh, soap operas are largely a read art form. Story theater, you know, children's theater where they're reading from scripts is a largely read art form. And, and when actors are reading off the page, you can hear it. There's something you hear in soap opera or story theater, anime, and it doesn't matter in anime as much as it does in other places. Well, it doesn't matter anywhere because people just get engrossed in the story. If it's story theater, the children are enthralled. If it's the soap opera, people just want to see what the next, you know, dramatic thing that happens is. And that has that has its corollary with anime as well. A lot of anime is about what's that next thing that's going to happen to our character and if it's an anime that goes on forever and ever like one piece you know good lord what's going to happen to them next you know they got to keep figuring out how to make uh you know fresh especially if you're the the crafts people you know turning in the, the line it sounds very humbling in a lot of ways like realizing that you're just one part of this creation you're kind of like you're you're helping to almost keep alive a character that's kind of, especially with anime, it's gone from one incarnation. Lots of times it starts as a manga, then it goes to the Japanese um, dubbing, then it goes to um, the English, and it's just, um, there's a lot of history behind that character that you get to be a part of. Yeah, 100%. When, when you step into a role and you get to be literally adored by thousands and thousands of fans because you were lucky enough to say the lines and inhabit that character's skin. You know, anytime you start mistaking yourself for the, the love of the character, that, that's always when, when problems occur. It, you know, it's, it's certainly, it, there are certainly people who do it better than other people. I largely think it doesn't matter that much because the good anime usually end up getting the good, the best actors anyway, or the best voices, I should say. But the the anime that you, you know, if it's a if it's a if it's an anime that's not as high quality, uh, you still bring your best, but it's it's not loved as much because there, there's a certain section that'll love every anime. That there, you know, there's twelve people who love one anime, and they all know each other. And when they see each other cosplaying, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're blah, blah, blah. And they become friends forever. It's like a that's the beautiful thing about anime. It's such a way to say I, I represent and like this type of stuff. If you're like me, come say hi. Look at my cosplay. So it's a, a really fascinating way to connect people at an organic level. And they become really, really deep, fast friends because they were attracted to the same art form or the same story forms. And that says something about you as a human. What types of stories you like probably resonate with who you are as an individual. It's like I only know three people who've ever watched Baki the Grappler, and we're all like, oh my god, it's so awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Baki the Grappler, my, my buddy Matt Tompkins, who's a film producer, makes a bunch of big old movies now. He's in Baki the Grappler. And uh, it's so fun. I was just talking to him today. And, and uh, that's just funny that you mentioned because Baki the Grappler, was, it could have been big. I think it should have been big. It's a good show. They were hoping it was going to catch fire like, like DBZ did. But well, it's just. When, when we watched it, Paul and I watched it, and we're like, this is like a much, this is like a realistic version of DBZ. <laughs> Like right, well, as, right, as realistic as you can get with it. Sure. Well, it it, it was less because I described it. And I love DBZ and I love my DBZ fans and even my DBZ fans recognize the 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 similarities between DBZ and really really well done professional wrestling. The the stories are similar. It's it's good guy bad guy, very clear good guy bad guy. And then it's it's uh, matches and power ups and and conquerors and the vanquished and the vanquished become the conquerors and 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 uh, you know DBZ keeps expanding the way they do it and uh, as does professional wrestling but it's it's that same itch that is scratched of knowing that I think that's part of what it is no matter what happens to Goku no matter what happens to him you know he's coming back. And there's something so secure in that. There's something so secure in knowing that your guy is going to fight his way back or make things right or, you know, rise above whatever internal challenge he has. And, and, and DBZ does it to a really, you know, they do it at a very high level, to be sure. I just, I just have to say on another Baki note, did you, did you watch the, uh, the Netflix continuation of Baki? I did not. So I, I have to say, the the version of Gaia that you get to play is so much more badass and so much better than the the version <laughs> in in that in the Netflix continuation because yours actually does the environmental combat, whereas the other one just throws sand. <laughs> and I think the the one for Netflix, he um he doesn't even have like the split personality, or they didn't even well, say much just, about he, it. He comes in like yeah. already adrenaline up, yeah. so he's already. I'm gonna dying. throw sand at you. Stop throwing sand at me. <laughs> that sounds way lamer. Yeah. Then I'm going to cut you with this blade of grass. Yeah, I think Gosh, with Baki, a lot of it was um I know DBZ like just about every kid I knew would come home and watch it when they got home from. Um, they come home from school and watch it every day, but with Baki, you really, you'd have to tone down the violence so much that it, 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 I think it had, you couldn't really market it toward the same kind of audience. And I think you said that, like, there was advertisements for Baki on your DBZ VHSs, though. Yeah, those were all the uncut ones. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's funny, because Baki the Grappler was the first anime if I'm recalling this correctly, that Barry Watson, who was one of the founders of Funimation, uh, he split off from Funimation or sold out or whatever, I don't know, but he started working over at this Radio Shack studio, really nice studios, and uh, Baki the Grappler was the first anime he, first and only, maybe he did one other, I think Bitex, I think, was another one he did. Um... But yeah, so that was his he, he his his attempts at starting a new studio over there. It, it didn't necessarily work out uh, all that great, but uh, I li I liked going into that studio. It was a nice studio. 
<laughs> so, so one thing with um anime in particular, since um the original dub is usually in Japanese, um there's a lot of different cultural um differences that sometimes the um American dub will have um, difficulties translating or will have to make certain changes to kind of have the same spirit of it but have it translate well. Is there like a certain balance to keeping the um, the spirit of the character alive while also like translating it to, an, to a different kind of audience? Yeah, I did, I did writing, uh, script adapting for Funimation for years, maybe five or six years, and it that that exact issue is why we're there because it you go through it and you you read it and you watch it and then you try to make sense of it and the translators do a good job giving you all the information you need to you know this is an idiom used in uh, mostly middle to upper class or uh, you know it would not be used and you know so they kind of guide you but if it doesn't make any sense to an American audience, you have to find the thing that that most closely correlates with it or make up your own one that you know an American audience is going to understand. And then there's a lot of uh, sort of hierarchy, Japanese hierarchy, that doesn't necessarily translate as well to American society. So we, you know, it kind of gets... Uh, it depends on the show because if the show is less, I don't want to say overtly Japanese, but if it's if it's one of those shows that we know the audience is going to understand the the hierarchy really well, you can kind of play into it and just let them let them feel their way through it. But if it's a show where it's just an off reference or something that's not really connected to the monster we're chasing or the aliens that are invading, then we. You don't want to get the audience bogged down and and uh, what was that? I'm not sure. You know, um, uh, you, you try to keep the story moving along as it would feel in the Japanese to the best of our ability. And there's a lot of differences in preference with um, anime fans. I've kind of realized, like for some people, they're okay with like changing certain honorifics, whereas others, if like if you take out like the San or um, Sama or things like that, they'll um, they'll get they'll get annoyed with it or or if um i know lots of times they'll have um the surname before the um the actual name and it, it'll confuse some people if they're not really used to it but if you don't have that other people will get annoyed with it and say that you changed too much so that's like a difficult kind of balance yeah it definitely takes that probably the most important part is that it's consistent across all the episodes and that's the director's job. The director's job is to make sure that, wait, we were using the honorific and now we're not, or, you know, the, the surname was reversed, but now now it's not, you know. So it's, it's a matter of making sure at the very minimum it's consistent across all the episodes. Do voice actors usually record together or separately? And what are some of the challenges of each of those? In, at Funimation, we don't do prelay. Prelay is where you record first. And, well, actually, we did one prelay, uh, Dragon Age: Legend of the Seeker, and that was a, a mystifying experience. We were all called in for a table read, and we sat around a table and read the entire script. Uh, it was, uh, you know, like 
Sabbath, McFarland, Colleen, uh, Eric, ba- like uh, it was all the all the all the home home crew getting to do it. So it was really wonderful because we'd never done it before, and it was a lot of fun. We had cameras on us. If you had a scene with someone, they were in the booth with you, and you'd do the scene. So that, as a change of pace, it was a blast. We were very much used to doing the dubbing the way, of course, the way we do it, which is individually, sometimes with nobody else recorded on it, so you can't even hear what the other lines are going to sound like. You just have to imagine them based off what the Japanese actor does. Uh, and that that has its own sort of peace and 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 serenity to it too, because you're kind of it, it's a it's a risk and an obligation to have to work with other people. You have to give yourself in a certain way to the acting in a way that you can kind of be uh, a little bit more contained when you're acting by yourself, or not contained because it's the same extension out artistically, but I don't know. It's less of an emotional or personal risk when you're not doing it with another human being so as far as um since you mentioned um really getting into the character and becoming the character while you're voicing it um voicing a character do you act out like their their um actions at all like let's say uh he is doing like the dragon of the darkness flame do you do you make any of the motions that he would yeah 100 percent. that's probably one of the the first internalized skills that's necessary for actors who act the way I do. There's a billion different ways of, you know, getting the job done. But yeah, I have to physicalize what's going on in the voice in order. And it's not necessarily recreating what's being done physically, you know, to an exact degree. But if there's if there's abdominal stress or if the, their arms are moving a certain way or there's there's a they're gripping you know, or they're punching or they're getting stabbed, whatever it is, you kind of physicalize it so that it comes out in the voice. I'd say, you know, 90% of it is mostly just activating your, your stomach muscles. We do, in class, we do a an exercise where we go through all the, the fighting reactions and laughing, because fighting reactions and laughing can be very... <laughs> you know, like it can be... It's not natural to do it because normally if you have a fighting reaction on film, yes, you have to fake it, but you don't have to fake it. The joke, we used to make the joke, everything has a reaction in anime. You sit down, you go, you pick up a piece, you know, a piece of paper, you're like, you know, like everything has a little, huh? You know, and those those that specific vocabulary of reactions can be very uh, daunting. It's the thing that, especially fighting reactions, it's one of the things that'll get you uninvited back if you cannot accomplish it in short order. So, and it's very simple. Anybody can do it. If you can laugh or cough, you can do fighting reactions for anime. You just have to activate in the same way. And it's it's a matter of it's sort of an emotional or psychological barrier of making loud noises. Because you're not used to, I was caution students when you're doing this, you may have to tell your neighbors, I'm not killing anyone. I'm just a voice actor, and so that they know not to call the police on you. But yeah, the, the, the exercise, I go through it and I, and I push them. I push them to be able to, re, you know, we do a key blast louder, as loud as they can 
they can make it. And, and you know, if you've never screamed at the top of your lungs, uh, maybe you did when you were a kid, but you haven't since, you know, crossing that theta brainwave threshold into sort of the age of reason, you, 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 uh, you'll have a, you'll have an aversion to it. That, I mean, and, and that's what it is to be an actor is to do things that you don't normally do in real life so that you have access to them and can portray a large variety of characters and humans. Now I just, I, I'm just picturing you sitting at the table, frantically pressing the, the tiger's eyeball and yelling at people as you're trying to be the first person to kill Yamcha with some kind of trap <laughs> as Emperor Pilaf. Like, I'm going to destroy him! Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> I love Emperor. He has the best reactions. My favorite thing about Emperor Pilaf is sometimes it'll, you know, it just sort of indicates there's a reaction here, but it doesn't say what it is because they, they know that I'm going, you know, he's just, I just try to, you know, jazz, scat jazz my way through his, <laughs> you know, you can just kind of squeeze your belly and move your, your face and let weird sounds come out. It's uh Quite lovely, actually. I love Emperor Pilaf. He's he he deserves an Academy Award nomination, in my opinion. I feel like he was he was robbed of his wish oh, for that for that most comfortable pair of underwear in the world. Uh, uh, I'm still looking for that. I'm still sitting here in my underwear looking for a more comfortable pair. Which is a good time for us to tell you about Buddy Briefs. <laughs> B Movie Bros, sponsored by Buddy Briefs. Wouldn't that be where we cut in for the uh, comfortable underwear? Buddy brief sounds a little weird, though. I don't know. It sounds I'm like just, Paul and I are wearing <laughs> the same pair of underwear together. Like... That's right. There's a, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if you're just friends and you want to have your, you know, your, uh, I don't know, Knight Rider underwear, uh, 80s reference, uh, cars, kit, the car. <laughs> I think at that point yeah. might be going beyond bros. That's right. That's right. So of Beyond all, Bros. Of all Beyond the characters Bros. that you've played over the years, who was your favorite character to voice? That uh, Emperor Pilaf is the most fun to voice. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean mean he's my favorite character to voice. He a an Android seventeen and Doctor Stein and Austria, and I love all the characters. Stop hating me if I don't mention your character. I'm kidding. The uh, uh, he I, I loved because I'd never been to a convention, and the first convention I went to was during the, I guess, what was the extreme popularity of Yu Yu Hakusho at the time. And I didn't know, I was too busy being a theater actor. I was creating art, and, and on the side, I did these little uh, goofy little cartoons or whatever they were. And then Funimation was like, would you like to come to convention? I was like, sure. And I went to a convention. I thought I was going to be passing out flyers, you know, like watch my show, Yu Yu Hakusho, state show. I thought I was just getting a free trip to San Diego Comic Con. And uh, I literally thought I was going to be with, there were like your, 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 your signings at four. And I was like, why do you keep calling it a signing? What am I doing? And they were like, well, you're going to be signing autographs. And I was like, oh, you're, Stupid. And they were like, no, no, Chuck, you're stupid. People want to meet you. And I was like, okay, I don't think this is going to work, but if that's how you want to promote it, because so, I thought they were, 
you know, going to use me to try to get people to watch the show. And then I showed up and I signed autographs for four hours straight. There was a line, big, biggest, one of the biggest lines I've ever had in my life was one of the first lines I ever signed through. And I'd never signed an autograph. And these were all Hiei fans. The majority of them were Hiei fans. And you just, you know, it's very overwhelming to go from what is going on? Why is she like the first or second girl started crying? And she she was she had a story about her dad who had cancer and died. And she and her dad used to watch Yu Hawk show and Hie was their favorite. And you're just like, what am what did I do? What am I doing? What's what's and then you then you go through a thousand more stories of why and some people are just like, Hey, like your voice and you're like, Cool. And some people are like, Your voice is the most important thing to the world to me, you know. So after four hours, I got an education as to, you know, who the fan base was. And I was like, oh, these, this is who I, I would have been these people in high school. These were, these were my friends in high school. Okay, I see them. And, uh, but when I was in high school, we had to like, you know, we couldn't openly like things. We had to be like, do you want to play D&D on Saturday? Don't tell anyone. You know, because we didn't want anyone to beat us up for being nerds. But now nerds rule the world. So they, they're out of the closets. They're in the open. We can all see you, nerds. And, uh, the, you know, that was, that was my first experience. That was, that was, that's why Hiei is my favorite, for sure. Yeah, when I, when, I had to, when I started watching anime, when I was like 10 or something, and uh, I had to to go to my room and pretend I was doing my homework because I had my bro I have two older brothers that are four and five years older than me and they would like make fun of me and stuff for watching anime because that's <laughs> that's little kid stuff and I wasn't a little kid anymore right right oh all these rules whatever we talk about that in class too we talk about the thoughts that you think are yours your brothers were having thoughts that were given to them by somebody else those weren't their thoughts they were they were abusing, you know, they were torturing you the way they learned from being tortured about other things, you know. Don't don't play with girls, that's what babies do, you know. Don't, don't ride your bike, that's what babies do, you know. Don't pick up that stone, that's what babies do, you know, in the cavemen times or whatever. Um, and you now know, it's my so oldest brother that's always like, did you see the latest episode of Pokemon? And I'm like, dude, I haven't nice. watched that in like 15 years, but like, nice. like you can tell me about it. <laughs> It's funny with My Hero Academia, the uh, the there's I haven't seen this in a long time because it's been the same anime fans for a little bit with DBZ and DB Super, like DB Super kind of always like the Dragon Ball franchise always brings a new crowd of people to it. So you have brand new anime fans come to their first anime convention. They're like, "This is awesome!" and my hero has done the same thing, but even to a greater degree where some of these people are like, we thought my hero was the only one. We didn't realize there were other anime to watch and they're like, holy cow. But it's, it's kind of fun to see them uh, myopically focused on, on my hero and then sort of open their eyes up to the rest of the canon. And, That's and so weird to hear nowadays because, I mean, I remember growing up when like to get anime you had to go to your local fye and or suncoast and if you wanted right. something that was was dubbed like you had to search extra hard for the vhs copy that said dubbed on it like and your selection was like 12 vhs's and like a new one came in every three months 
Right. And, and, and the, the you know, never the never the four episodes because they were in four episodes usually four episodes on a tape, and and never the, the four you needed. And you'd be like, well, do you want to skip four episodes and watch five through eight or and three then, wait? You know? And then I remember the times you know when when anime finally started coming in with DVDs when DVDs came out, and you know anime sections got bigger and bigger. But it was still like I remember paying forty five dollars a volume for Outlaw Star on DVD. Oh my god! Oh my god! And then like like nowadays, walking through and seeing like the the save complete series of stuff for like twenty dollars and everything else, and I'm like, I can go to Walmart now, and there's a whole you know section of anime, like for for people today to be like, I didn't know there was more than just this anime, like. Like, have you never been outside of your house? Like, it's not like the the 90s or the 80s or, you know, when it was hard to find and we were considered, like, closeted shut-ins, like. Right. Well, that was, like, I was kind of lucky as a kid because I had, um, my dad was a big big fan of speed racers, so there was a um, video store down the road for me, and I'd just walk there, rent that, and, like, whatever other other animes anime was there and then as time went on it started having like dragon ball z and all this other stuff so it's like i had like a secret supply of stuff and i was introduced to it pretty early yeah we had a video store in chicago when i was went to college and uh i remember the first anime buddy aaron wernsman still my friend to this day and uh we were little 19 year old 18 year old kids the summer we were working the international theater festival working for Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh just won the Academy Award for Henry V and we were going to the video store and renting anime. It's when I was introduced to, you know, Miyazaki and, and uh, 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 Akira was one of the first anime. I, I remember that's the one that blew my mind because I was like, I was like, holy cow. That watched, should blow yeah. everyone's mind every time they see one it. One of the greatest films of all time. We did a review of that. It was, uh, I, I watched that that movie the, like right as I was turning 30. It's, uh, it's that yeah. movie. Yeah, that was great. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. It, blo- it, blo- it blew my mind visually. Obviously, it blows your mind visually. But it's the, it's the, it's the fact that these artists can draw anything. So you're, 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 story writers can dream anything and make it a reality and make it a reality well that's the difference between like you you write it and and someone's not going to be able to accomplish your vision but with anime like yeah they can do it you know (laughs) they can make it they can make that happen paul described it as you know you could you could freeze akira at any time in the movie and it looks like a painting that you would put in a museum or on your wall. Oh yeah. And one yeah. of the things I noticed watching it this time with um with subtitles was everything that's going on in the background there's always, you know, protests or some kind of news report or other things running. And the version that I have subtitles all that stuff that's going on in the background and nothing oh, wow. that is happening in the movie is wasted. Like none of the stuff going on in the background is just there for noise. It all has to do with what's going on in the film. Wow, wow, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take another viewing of that for sure. It's been too long, too long. That's a, that's another thing with um not only that film but like certain other anime is you'll see it you'll see a scene of like um something 
sometimes there's something that seems arbitrary, but you look into it and it's significant to Japanese culture. Like um, in Akira, there's a scene of a stadium completely destroyed. And that stadium is, um, it's, I forget what, what the name of it was, but it's a very important stadium in Japan. And it being destroyed symbolized like um, a loss of hope. So there's always like more to it. Right, right. Yeah, the, 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 when you have a culture that is that, I don't want to say hermetic because they're not hermetic, but they're so consistent. Their culture is so consistent. Their, their allegorical vocabulary is refined to the point where they can speak to each other in these images. And it has so much more to say story-wise than, than we could ever accomplish in a melting pot that, you know, in America, you can like, you can like, what can you do? You need a flag, you need an apple pie, you got a mom's home, school bus. You know, there's there's only a certain amount of like American allegorical images or, or referential images. Whereas in Japan, you know, their entire millennia of history is still connected to the present in a way that as Americans were like, well, just yesterday our country was born, you know, so we're, we're at a disadvantage artistically to produce the way they produce uh, stories, for sure. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that with a lot of their kanji. Like, you look into the name of a character, it's like, well, the kanji means this and this, but when put together in this way, it also means this, like, but it could right. also mean this, and it's, um, like, I remember in Death Note, um, Light Yagami's name um, translates to Moon God, or and also something else. If you if you arrange things in a certain way, it's like wow, that's the language is so much different from ours. Like, I, it's hard to even comprehend. Well, that's one of those funny things in anime when they translate it literally, and the character says, "My name is this," spelled like this and this, and it's like if you don't understand how Japanese lang- written language is, then you have no clue what they're talking about. Right, 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 right. So Paul has the ability when it comes to uh, a lot of voice actors that he likes. He's a much bigger anime fan than I am. To like instantly recognize like who is playing certain characters. He can do that with voices, and he can also differentiate blondes, which is another thing that I can't do. And Wait, useless superpower. Differentiate. You can. You can People tell. People who are blonde, I can't. I can't tell them apart. Oh really? Yeah, it's 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 the weirdest thing. You have a blonde blindness. You're blonde blind. I, yeah. But you you know it's funny because the, the face blindness is a thing, and there are people who are face blind where they can meet you and then you come up ten seconds later and they can't remember who you were, but you have like a specific version of that I which just, is blonde blonde blindness. All blondes like confused within like a ten feet radius. If you're not the only one there, like. Like, like you are the same oh as my, that person, or I'll I'll oh say my, the wrong name. It's like a oh my gosh, you are like totally racist against Scandinavians. <laughs> so, to my question, what is your reaction <laughs> to? So when I watched Soul Eater, which was sure. a poor choice on my part because I did not enjoy it at all, it took me about <laughs> forty right. episodes, and I was like, oh my god, I finally recognized Doctor Stein's voice. It's the same person who plays Char Asnable. And I am completely wrong. Yeah. But but what is your take on that? What is my take on that? Yeah. Are are you insulted? Do you not care? Or is that like, oh, you know, that's another good voice actor? No, of course, it's another good. Yeah, it's another good. Uh, 
listen, I've been, uh, people mistake uh, us for each other all the time. And it, it's, it's never, it's never insulting. Cause you're, it's like, you're, oh, I'm also as good as that actor. That's great to know. Or I can sound like that actor. We do that in, you know, it's funny. One of the exercises we do in class is called the voice match exercise. And we put you in teams of three or four and everybody decides who you naturally sound like. Who do you naturally sound like as a human being? And it's such an affirming exercise to be like, I sound like Chris Pratt. And someone's like, really? I sound like Chris Pratt? And then they have to go and find an interview with that voice match and do a looping exercise where they replace their voice, you know, the, the, the famous person's voice with their voice. And suddenly it's like it expands their vision of themselves because it's like, you are your voice is genetically as capable to do everything that this voice can do if you can sound like this person in this 30 second clip and behave like them then you have the raw material to do everything they do acting wise and it's 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 rare 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 uh it's, i'd say we're at 99.9 percent success rate with finding you know amazing voice matches there's not that much you can do with the human voice and we're similar enough, mechanically speaking, that you're gonna you're gonna find someone who's succeeded and has the same voice as you do. They there might not be as many of them. There's not that many Gilbert Gottfrieds out there. You know what I mean? There's only that holy cat. You know, like uh, but there are screechy the other comedians who are kind of screechy like that or or have you know Fran Dreska is kind of a, like an annoying. I've seen my first thought goes to Polly Shore, and I don't know why. Oh, Polly Shore, man. Yeah, like, you know, they, so there's types and they're useful for very specific things. They're not, you know, Bryce Kappenbrook or, 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 you know, Matt Mercer. They're not, they're not, you know, hero, hero boy voices, uh, you know, which are useful all across anime. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have Gilbert Gottfried playing Levi in Attack on Titan. That would be. <laughs> I'd love that to see be, that now. That'd, that'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. But you might have him play Gar Garlic Jr. or Emperor Pilaf, right? I mean, that's that's right in that range for sure. Well, speaking on that, who um, is there any actor who you think uh, Corey's voice matches? Let me hear it. Go for it. Let me hear a little bit, Corey. Just talk. I mean, I I talk a lot, so it's one of those things. My voice, um, I. I <laughs> I do a lot of reading at school, and the uh, the kids seem to drift off a lot. So, has anyone ever tell, told the, the first question we ask when we do this exercise is, "Have you ever been told you sound like someone?" I've been told I sound like my older brother. Yeah, it's not helpful yeah. unless he's a famous voice actor. No, no, he is not. Although he would like to be, he does a lot of screenwriting, and uh, he's had some stuff at some festivals recently. Uh, he doesn't do as much acting. He's more, uh, who would you be? Who would you sound like? Maybe, maybe Zach Bolton, Zach Bolton a little bit. You who is Zach, Zach Bolton? Bolton? And why, why are you comparing me to him? <laughs> or, uh, Cliff Chapin. Cliff Chapin be another one that you're kind of in that range too. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's. We'd find, we, we'd find it. It usually takes, ten, you know, five or ten minutes of talking and opening up YouTube, to, uh, you know, videos and and saying, say this, and then playing it. <laughs> <coughs> so it's a lot of work.
work goes into it, Paul. Seems like it. It's true. It's true. There's some work. Yeah, I was t- told I sound like I'm either tired or stoned. I'm like, well, not either one of them, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a definite. That's a definite sound. Tired and stoned for sure. Well, I, I had a, a couple more. Um, so, uh, lately on Twitter, since you're mentioning your uh, classes and everything, you've been talking about the uh, online acting uh, workshop going on next month. Could you uh, tell us a bit about it and uh, like what people what people can expect from it, uh, how it functions, and stuff like that? Yeah, it is. It, we meet entirely online. It is uh, a video chat. It's a video chat. Uh, called zoom it's real real classroom friendly it's like a digital classroom i can send you into little breakout rooms with little groups so that you're you know separated from the group and i can peek in on your your exercises so that you're you know i make sure you're you're doing everything to the best of your abilities or whatever but uh, it's it's a dialect. I mean, primarily we do dial voice work and dialects are are probably the two of the the main things. The dialects we cover are the British, the Russian, and the Irish. And then we we work we do that voice matching exercise, sort of give you your range and types. We talk about your setup, your home setup. Andy Field, who I teach a business of voiceover class with, that he leads. He comes in and, and tells you how to uh, all the different places to audition. I met Andy when he was a full time teacher. And he's like, "Man, Chuck, this time next year I'm going to be a full time voice actor. Let me tell you that much." And sure enough, he he books e learning and and commercials, and he's uh, Exotic Butters and Five Nights at Freddy's and Marvel Avengers Academy, and he did it all out of Mississippi. He's in El Paso now, but so you can you can make. You can make a career from wherever you're at. Uh, we also cover basic acting, objective intention, obstacle, playing the opposite. I focus a lot on subroutines and, and comfort challenges and emotional integrity, like the, the mental strategies you need to improve. Subroutines are, are ways of sort of expanding what you do in your life by adding routine, adding subroutines to routines you are already really good at. You know, like uh, you have to do uh, five push-ups before you drink a cup of coffee. And then you do that for months until you're doing 10 push-ups per cup of coffee and 50 push-ups per cup of coffee. Because you love coffee or you love video games. I have students who who wrote whole novels because they loved Fortnite. And they said they had to write, you know, a page before they could play Fortnite. And I was like, no, 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 don't try to write a page. Just try to write a sentence. Because the purpose of a subroutine is to make it super small to start with and then uh, grow it from there because yeah, protecting that sort of emotional time space before the routine is, is where the habit forms. A lot of stuff, we do comfort challenges where you, you like buy something from a thrift store you'd never wear out in public and wear it out in public all day, a stupid hat or a really weird looking jacket that you're not, you know, you would not wear. Like just ways of ex- ex- experiencing your adrenal reactions to things because you as a performer your adrenal reaction is one of your greatest sources of energy but if you are not aware of it connected to it know what to do with it it ends up being where stage fright comes in and we we do work on integrating 
sort of embarrassments or things that may make us timid or, or worried about performing in front of people. Because when it comes down to it, being an actor, you have to be 100% psychologically fearless. And to be psychologically fearless, you have to be psychologically strong. And uh, a lot of people think they have to be affected or, or, or broken or have deep inner pain to be an actor. And listen, pain is the best teacher in the universe. I am not a... Uh, I, I am not uh, averse to understanding myself through the pain that I've been through. But it, as an actor, you need to be aware of how you deal with those things. Otherwise, you end up with habits that you can't integrate and you end up looking and sounding the same all the time. That sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. When, when, is, um, that, when is that class being held? Yeah, I typically do. I do one every month. Uh, the March one, I actually have one spot left on the March one. The March one starts up. Doodly, boo, boo. I got it here. Let me get the right date. March 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, 6 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then in April, I'm going to do either two classes or just the one. I haven't decided but I'm going to do a Greenwich Mean Time class for uh, any stay-at-home parents or uh, people in, in the UK or, or in the GMT time zone. I taught someone from Cairo. I, I have UK people join, but then they're, they're learning from midnight to three in the morning. And I do have the classes are recorded and you get a recording of the class. So I have some people, overseas students who just take the class via recording and they get the personal feedback sort of via their um, uh, submissions of assignments, and I, I review them in class when they're not there. But yeah, the 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 GMT class will be in April, uh, meeting from uh, I guess our time it would be eleven thirty to two thirty, so it's five thirty to eight thirty GMT. So where can you find or enroll in this course? Uh, you just email me. Email me at fireflyworks at gmail.com. Uh, that's as easy as that. You say, hey, I'm interested in the class. And I go, here's the information. Sign up or be square. <laughs> Dr. Hans Volta. Here, little piggy, come to my class. <laughs> oh, he's a crazy one. That's, that guy is nuts. Definitely. So, um... We got a question from a friend of the show um, named Phantom Dark Dave. He hosts his own podcast called um, Dave's Pop Culture uh, uh, Show. But he wanted to know, yeah. he's a big Star Trek fan. He wanted to know yeah, if you please. were, um, if uh, before you started with uh, Star Trek Continues, if you were a Star Trek fan and how you got involved with that. Yeah, I was a Next Gen fan. That's, you know, I watched the original series when I was a kid. It was on reruns on Sunday in the afternoon at like three or four. So it was always after chores and playing outside or we were playing outside and I would miss it. But so I, I wouldn't say I was a fan of the original series. I was definitely a fan of next generation, watched every episode, watched deep space nine uh, and then got sort of bunny trailed off as, as the series continued uh, in its other directions. I watched Voyager for sure. And when, when I was, introduced to continues i was i was a fan of galaxy quest and i thought we were going to be doing a show in, in with cardboard sets in somebody's basement i really didn't understand the scope of what was envisioned 
And then when you when Grant Imahara from Mythbusters, one of my favorite shows, is Sulu, you're like, oh wait, this is not what I thought it was. And uh, now I'm I'm excited. You know, I will sign. I have people asking me to sign things that rightly should only be signed by DeForest Kelly. The prints, pictures, stills, books, and and they're insistent, and the the fandom has really you know embraced continues because it was it was so well handled um so well written so well produced that uh, i don't think i don't you know in uh, in a hundred years people will watch the original series continues and then next gen you know and then the movies and then next gen so it's uh you know it's part of the canon now so it's pretty it's i'm pretty lucky to have been a part of it one of the most important questions we ask here, at least in my mind, somehow we got onto this topic years ago and it never seems to go away. We like to get everyone's opinion, and uh, that is, what is your opinion on hairless cats? Uh, I have never had a hairless cat, but my wife, lovely wife, Jessica, had two hairless cats, Solo and Cosmo, and she swears by them, and I don't like cat hair, so I think I might like hairless cats. I think if, as we, I wanted no cats, and Jessica wanted one cat, so we compromised and got three. But the uh, uh, the hair issue is a thing. I I think I would love a hairless cat because of the uh, lack of hair. See, I think I think they're adorable. I I love them, Paul. Not on the same wavelength. I always compare it to um, in Jurassic Park how when they're talking about whether or not it was ethical to create dinosaurs I'm like that that that's hairless cats to me it's like was it ethical to create this thing that should by all means have hair they just look so cold and so like angry all the time it's like it's messed with nature too much. Uh, that's, like it's, that's, it's, uh, I'm like it's fair. a gremlin that won't kill you in your sleep or will it? That's, mm, maybe it might. I think it could kill you. <laughs> they all look like little old mobsters or something like that. Like I, they definitely yeah, they look angry. So, where is it that people can follow you, learn about your new projects, anything that you're currently working on, or anything that may come um, about in the future? On on the the Twitter, I am at Chuck underscore Huber. Uh, the Facebook. Uh, I forget what I am on Facebook. What am I on Facebook? Uh, 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 I believe it's Chuck Huber with umlauts over the Huber. Um, let me see what it says here. No, I'm it's Charles Cody dot Huber. Uh, so I'm Charles Cody Huber on Facebook and on the Instagram. I believe I am uh, Chuck Huber. Just Chuck Chuck Huber. No underscore. And on my Twitch streaming, I don't, I can't remember what I am on my Twitch streaming, but I do, I have streamed on Twitch. I intend to make people watch me play Fortnite at some point. Very cool. I also got to ask, so a while back on uh, Twitter, you you gave your uh, number out to people for fans to message you. How's that been going anyways? Yes. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's not my, it's not my regular phone. And so it's, and I have people helping me with it, but it is, uh, it's definitely cool because I do things with that number that I don't do on social media. I'm a big fan of 
figuring out how to connect with people. Honestly, that's why the classes started because you can have the, you know, the same interaction with a hundred thousand people, or you can have a thousand different interactions with a thousand different people. And to me, that's what the classes are because the interactions are not um, the same. I get to be a little more in depth with actors than I can be at the table and at a convention. Yeah, a little more connection. Very cool. So one last thing. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and would you, in Hie's voice, say, you're listening to the B-Movie Bros podcast. If you don't like it, then be prepared. to Then, then you'll be devoured by the dragon of the darkness flame. All right, you ready? I'm, I'm ready, as ready as I can of be. Of course, it's always, it's always it. This is Hie from Yu Yu Hakusho. You're listening to the B-Movie Bros Podcast. And if you don't like it, be prepared to be devoured by the dragon of the darkness. That was amazing. (laughs) You you have made Paul's entire decade. I'm glad to make that (laughs) All right, so... Um, yeah, that's about all the questions we had. Um, this is a very fun conversation. So, um, it yeah. It worked. It yeah. worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. So Chuck, it was very we, fun having you on. We thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Anytime. And until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more.